Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen, and we're joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo. This week we are talking about the Irish Film Festival, which is in full swing. It kicked off last Thursday and continues online until Sunday night. Is the seventh annual Irish Film Festival. I'll be watching seven films, and this week we are covering Wolf Walkers and talking a little bit more about the festival. Before we get into that, we want to talk a bit about news of the week. The Sydney Underground Film Festival kicks off tomorrow night and runs online until the 26th. The, we'll be talking more detail about the Underground Film Festival next week, including the Take 48 film competition, in which Chris and I were a part of, which is one of the sessions that is screening as part of the festival. It's the third annual one we've done in each year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, some of the picks of the festival are Lorelei, which I'm really looking forward to, and The World's Best Film, which Chris and I caught a peek at a, a, long time ago. A, a long time ago now actually at a take 48 that's right yeah the filmmaker um we worked on with a take 48 film is now has a feature film in the festival and we'll be reviewing that um next wednesday uh, there's a bit of strange synergy there Oso static vision have a screening online Small world it is people we know you know yeah it's just like you know it just feels like we suddenly got cred as critics, it's like, oh my god, these are all the people we know. Just, if you if you hang on for long enough, if you hang on for long enough, your friends will become successful, and you can get some cred by proxy. <laughs> or, or is that a reflection that we are not successful in our friends? <laughs> I was trying to leave the depressing parts unsaid, but go on there, drag down the mood. I just thought you were going to go if we lived long enough to see ourselves become the villains, and well, we we do that as well. Yeah, we do that as well. That, that's been long past that. Exactly. That's why yeah. we're critics. That's why we pull other people down by letting them know oh. and putting them back in their place. Antoine they think made a great film and they, we tell them the truth. The Tui. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I liked the film we're talking about this week. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other news is Static Vision. Have a screening tomorrow night online. A, a regular lockdown screening that screens around the country from 7.30 tomorrow night. How and just on that, the Sydney Underground Film Festival kicks off at eight thirty tomorrow night. But there is an opening night film which kicks off from seven thirty, which you can tune into. Organize a watch party. We're doing it. It's always a lot of fun. They're great guys. Um, before we get into the Irish Film Festival, as Chris reminded us just before this started, the other big film news of the week is The Matrix. The first yeah. images have been released. Yeah, um, the trailer should be out tomorrow. But they revived the long dormant '90s um, URL of whatisthematrix.com, where they've got <laughs> some kind of yeah. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, I would check this out now because they've got some kind of gimmick going on where where you pick one, the red or the blue pill, and then it randomizes a bunch of clips from the movie into a teaser, which has a voice synced with the time that you're watching the video at, about like this is what's real, 4:20 p.m. Which happens to be the time we're recording this, um, and yeah, yeah the, the clips this is in the, the movie second latest recording we've pre-recorded have ever done. This is very imminent news of the week. That's right, but yeah, the, the movie looks amazing. Like um, I, I have a lot of criticisms of the original Matrix, which it looks like this movie is going to be at least partially a remake of. But man, on a visual level, this is just knocking every other blockbuster out of the park. This is like someone who knows how to make striking visuals really thinking about it and doing that again. Um, I appreciate that it looks a lot like The Matrix on a theoretical level while not looking much at all like the previous three movies. New DP, new visual approach, less green tint, um, but really 
um, interesting dynamic cinematography with a lot of contrasts and interesting angles. So yeah, suddenly I'm, I'm on board. Like all it takes is just seeing that the people are putting some thought into the project and I turn from skeptical to sure, okay, Matrix, why not? Let's see. Well, I mean, yeah. there's been some actually good news from the blockbuster front. Uh, the reviews of, or the early kind of buzz around Dune is looking pretty good as well. So yeah. I mean, that's been massive and that's been oncoming for such a long time. But um, um, it, it's, it's good to know that like blockbusters can still do well, stuff. Like that is actually some just on movies. the matrix. It does look really spectacular. Um, I like that. I like that there's excitement for this again. I remember as a kid when the matrix came out and this idea of what is this? What is new? What mm. looks like they're doing something from the early um, footage, genuinely new, generally interesting. Just this is something visually distinct. I rewatched yeah. all three films recently. Um, particularly the last two are very underrated. So I'm keen to see where Lily and Lana Wachowski continue on with this. Well, I've heard that this one is especially um, a continuation thematically and probably in terms of plot as well from Matrix Reloaded. Great. And, you know, I'm excited for that. Sure. Yeah. I, These I are awesome. I, yeah, that kind of territory. Philosophy 101. Yeah, Philosophy 101 in the mainstream yeah. blockbuster. That hasn't happened in like, what, a decade? Oh well, that kind of, yeah, that kind of ground with, with all the multiple layers of reality and speechifying about it. It's very anime, you know, and it's it's very cyberpunk novel. And I'm down for more of that stuff. It's nerdy as hell. Why not? Yeah. Also, we were, we were teenagers and we thought it was cool. And we were still kind yeah, of exactly. like late 20s and we still think this is cool so like we haven't grown up speak for yourself for us but let them I... uh, let them do that for the new generation but yeah um i also like that neo has this john wick beard it's a good way of <laughs> you know like they could have shaved him and and but no just embrace it this is where keanu reeves is at now he looks good with the beard okay yeah um what are the speaking of philosophy 101 one of the funniest lectures i ever saw was a rabbi at a university, a leading American rabbi from university speaking about the uh, philosophy of the Matrix movies. He just starts, ah, this is a great Hasidic tale and just goes into detail because there is a lot of archetypal, um, well, Torah, quote unquote, Old Testament um, philosophy in there. I'm super keen, I'm down. On the note of the Matrix in June, two different things. One, Matrix actually looks better than June, as in it purely, like from these little clips, purely based on visual imagination. Yeah. Um, th this movie looks like bananas. It looks like um, really thick film noir kind of look. June's always kind of disappointed me in the trailers in how the clothes look like sleek, like H&M, kind of like boring, normal, functional clothes whereas yeah but the, the, the thing with dune is like crazy it, visuals you know? given with the concept and given what it is it's mm. almost unfilmable just the fact that we're getting a film but june is also is also which like, is undoubtedly i think it's going to be a two films it is in two parts it's called june part one so it, it's unfilmable because of the budget but it's a it's perfect movie because it has big set piece scenes and big you know plot arcs that have worked in other um, big blockbusters like Star Wars and The Matrix and, you know, slight reconfigurations. Yeah, uh, the new Edgar um, Wright film last night in Soho, very good buzz out of... Uh, actually, yeah. you know, that's been getting some pretty negative reviews. I think I, I've seen mixed reviews. I'm keen. It's Edgar Wright. It's Daniel yeah. Joy. It's, yeah, it's still fun uh, from um, what I'm hearing. It's, it's, but that's the thing. I mean, I, I miss people I'll give it a go. stuff. Of course, it's I'll give it a go. But yeah, there is some news about June. It's been delayed in Australia until December. Um, yeah. And at the end of the month, so December 2nd now, um, because of the ongoing pandemic, 
Um, the Matrix is from the same studio and that's meant to come out December 22nd. Will it come out on time in Sydney? We'll see. Uh, I, I think so. I mean, given what uh, the situation is now, the expectation is once we get about to 80% double dose vaccination, uh, at least Sydney is keen to open up. Whether or not it does happen, it's something that we'll find out eventually. Yeah. But I we'll think see. everyone is primed for the fact that come December, come Christmas, I know my workplace will be shut down for three weeks because of an extended break. We'll have nothing to do, nowhere to go, except oh, yeah. to the movies. I, yeah. I'm, I'm keen for a lot. And I'm also keen that a lot of things that wouldn't otherwise have got to screen, the Annette's will get an opportunity to screen them because people will want to see them irrespective of whether they um, have screened in other forums because they want the big screen experience and want to see certain films in that environment. I certainly miss it. And I know we're going to go back to that. Net Memoria, Drive My Car. There's like a lot of films coming Those, up on the big screen but, that need you to know, you're mentioning a bunch of films that uh, like Drive My Car and Memoria. We've got no idea when those would have seen a release in, in Australia. We, they might have been at Sydney Film Fest. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe they will still be there. Maybe that'll happen at the beginning of November. Maybe not. Mad, Mad Men has picked up quite a lot of uh, festival titles and they're going to be releasing them uh, in a wide release come December, Jan, Feb, that window. Yeah, before. we'll see. Mad Men have a tendency to buy a lot of movies and a bunch of them end up playing for like two weeks at Dendy Newtown maybe golden age and that's I always go. but that's the I know, time. But... That's, that, that's why you need to go out and go watch it at the new town of golden age i mean go wherever i mean i'll, I'll basically I'll go but you know I, not, i'm not so locked in into my apartment that i will go anywhere people ask me to go if i have to go to like a regional town in like newcastle to go watch a movie i will do regional that. town in newcastle oh my god so as an overcastrian i'm so outraged right now name one sort of in new in, in newcastle for us name one <laughs> I don't know. Decide us for you. Car- Cardiff is close to Newcastle, right? That's Cardiff crazy. is, oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so, and Windsor's close to Sydney. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you're listening to Film Fight Club uh, to us. Uh, I don't think we, what should we reach out to Newcastle? Anyhow, hi to all my Newcastle friends and family. Um, the next film we're talking about, which you can access in Newcastle, unlike other Irish film festival screenings, is Wolf Walkers. Now, uh, just a note on the Irish Film Festival, they're in their seventh year. They've done an amazing job of building, spreading around the country to Melbourne and Perth, and they've grown to to, um, demographic and screening sizes and number of screenings. I've always enjoyed the Irish Film Festival in that there is a dense selection of high quality films. For for reference, there are 11 films, I'm watching seven of them. Um, the great Ender Murray and Shannon, Shannon do an amazing job of putting it together every year. There's a lot of love. They go out to the Galway Film Play and bring back all these great titles and, and including ones that have been, uh, there's one film in here too that I know that a number of persons, including Ender involved in the Irish Festival actively worked on. So. Uh, this is the second year going online. I'm glad they have. I'm glad it's accessible to the broader community and not just communities in Sydney, Melbourne and Perth who traditionally be able to access the screenings. And before we get into Wolf Walkers, just to note the other ones, my picks, the ones I'll be seeing are A Bump Along the Way, Boys from County Hell, Broken Law, Deadly Cuts and Wildfire. Wildfire being the one I'm going to watch next that I'm most keen on. Um, but yeah, the first next film we're talking about, which we all caught, um, is uh, one of the premiere films of the festival. It's an Australian premiere. Wolfwalkers. It is from Cartoon Saloon, who brought Secret of Kells, um, The Breadwinner, and Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea, we caught at Sydney Film Festival a few years back. Um, Importantly, this is about a a British girl and her father, a hunter, who live in Kilkenny in Ireland 
1650, the father is tasked by the lord of the village and others with hunting and killing the wolves around the village in order to permit farmers to cultivate the land. And it's about that aspect, but also the relationship of the young girl with um, the, with, with the f- figures and the wolves in the forest, which plays into ideas of Irish cultural mythology. A bit of a meta aspect to this film, Cartoon Saloon, which is the animation studio behind this, is in Kilkenny. I visited Kilkenny. I visited this. I visited the animation studio. I met the people who work there. It is lovely to see not just Kilkenny on screen, but the dedication to geographic detail, which would have which would have been inherently known to the folks there because they work on the high street and just down the road from the castle, which is beautifully maintained and features prominently in the film. Also featuring the second biggest room in Ireland. I, I quite liked this film. I liked that all that all four had distinct forms of animation. Of all four, Song of the Sea is still narrowly my favourite, but this is one, uh, for reasons I'll go into, that I really enjoyed. Mm. Distinct, but still, you know, um, recognisable. Yes. Of a piece, you know. You look at this and you immediately think this is one of Tom Moore's Irish yeah. fantasy cartoon saloon movies. There's, there's this kind of... Um, I, I, don't, I wish I knew more art terminology to describe the style of this, but everyone has kind of stumpy legs, um, stumpy kind of of limbs, like very strongly defined kind of angular human shapes against these really kind of like curvy, um, flowy kind of backgrounds with a lot of focus on the the flow of the branches and the trees and the leaves. Um, As you're probably getting from this, I, I really like the way this looks. I really like that it's a distinct style while also being, you know, very legible and clear. Um, but like the other cartoon saloon movies I've seen, I just wasn't really that involved in it on an emotional or storytelling kind of level. I appreciate the film for being a slower paced kids movie that isn't trying to wow them with things zinging and popping every three seconds. Be a franchise. Um, yeah. Um, to have positive morals and uh, not talk down to children feels like a throwback to like 80s kids entertainment in that kind of way. Um, but I just don't get into it. I wish I did because there's a lot to like here and I'm, I'm definitely on the team for what this film stands for, but I just didn't I think enjoy it coming much. from, I mean, visually in terms of its visual presentation, it was more engaging than, you know, uh, the storytelling level. But at the same time, I feel like I'm at that stage of my brain goop that I feel like I don't want something to be that emotionally heavy. So I did enjoy the fact that in a narrative screensaver? Sense, huh? A screensaver? That's it. That's a, an unkind way of putting it. No, 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 not in that sense. I mean, in the sense that like I didn't want it to be a Lab DS film, right? I, it, it, it is very good for what it is. And that yeah. was something that I needed at the time, right? It is coming at the right time in the pandemic where I felt it is emotionally engaging, it's uplifting, it's positive. The messaging is quite simple. And I don't really fault it for it. Maybe like if I was it's for kids. going it's out kids. and like, you know, yeah. But at the same time, like it didn't talk down to me, which I appreciated. So, yeah. I mean, that's something which is beautiful about it. But the simplicity of the narrative didn't really hinder what's so beautiful about it. I think relationships are still quite well established. It's very obvious. Uh, mm. The human heart of the story is quite obvious. And I think that's what really carries the film along. Yes, it could be a little more complex, but I don't fault it for it. But at the same time, I was happy to just watch a beautiful film in terms of like, you know, because a lot of times the visual medium is just there. 
yeah, as yeah, you've yeah. often discussed. Uh, yeah. it, it's trying to do something different, and I appreciate that. I, I like the fact that it didn't uh, try and spoon feed anyone. Here's a moral, here's an idea. I like that it still had the, had the emotional intelligence to introduce a mythology, which a lot of viewers and a lot of the target audience won't be familiar with and done through uh, beautiful drawings that evoke um, great traditional hand drawn style. I don't think this, I, it, in part, yes, it's because I, I'm someone who has made an effort to course my life to very much um, learn and listen to Irish mythology. I was listening to great Irish ballads last night. I'm not saying that people who haven't otherwise done so won't be able to engage, enjoy this film, far from it. But I do think my familiar, uh, I think some familiarity with the space helped endear me to this and just uh, provide a familiar mule in which the film was operating. The mythology of the film, similar to secret of Kells, and I think it was really built on very well in Song of the Sea, uh, talks about our relationship, how, how humans can interact with nature and with animals, how there is a more symbiotic balance than one that is um, antagonistic or one that is oppositional. And I, I liked that. I think there are ways in which this film drew the um, dichotomy not very strongly I'm referring to which I'll get into a little later the Lord of the, the Village who I think is the weakest part of the film however there were parts and I'm referring to the animation about how the child interacted with the wolves and yes this for uh, especially for adults may lead to a very more obvious ending um, as uh, an, an analogous in respects to other cartoon saloon films but again it didn't bother me because it's working traditional Irish mythology it is for children and it was entertaining and enduring because I found the the ending in particular um even though it was I did see it coming quite emotionally uplifting yeah the ending worked nicely um I, I think one of the issues for me is this movie despite being a very simple story it feels kind of all over the map I guess because the, you know, kind of maybe the, the hand guiding the tonal shifts isn't as sure as I, I want it to be, but I guess it, it's a very uh, fairy tale like story progression where it's kind of like one event to another and there's these semi wild kind of turns that, um, you know, new aspects being introduced, but for me, it just didn't feel especially smooth. Did you guys not um, find that? about the, the storytelling, like it seemed to be a little bit like hokey-jerky. No, I, I thought it, it was fine. I, I think right. the, the problem was maybe that there was nothing that was so, at no point in the film was I completely immersed into the film until the end, right? I mean, there was a point like it, it was fine and maybe that's the problem. Right. Well, it needs to be more than fine. It didn't like, you know, the, capture hold of me to the point where I felt like, oh my God, I am so into this movie. And well, I feel like I'm just not, you know. The obvious um, comparison point that come, has come up since the start and reviews of the fantasy films by Cartoon Saloon is Studio Ghibli. And they're not a ripoff. They, they're clearly, they're doing their own thing. They have their own yeah. style, but you can see the yeah. influence there. But compared to how the Studio Ghibli films handled the movie, they have just this extra layer of magic this extra layer of the unexpected that draws you in and they have a, a, another kind of layer of whimsy. So even though they're also kind of serious storytelling in the way that this is, you know, they're not trying to, they're trying to capture children's attention through 
sim or any any audience so yeah like drawing you into the magic and showing it happening but there's just an extra level of genius you feel when you're watching a Ghibli film that I'm kind of missing here that like they make the like magic feel real showing something well. totally like, new because I feel like Ghibli is like right up there and right I think it's it is kind of an unfair comparison in that sense but I something the Ghibli films um my neighbor Totoro Spirit of the Way of course do really well is drawing relationships between children and parents and the specs of children and particularly distinctions between paternal and maternal relationships i think visually this is something the film absolutely nails in several respects um granted the father who's played by sean mm -hmm. bean is in full ned stark mode but it didn't really bother me because he's a very competent performer who did a good job i did care for the character i like the visual representations of the of, of the wolves and how the metaphysical aspects play into that. There's some of the shots of the wolves running throughout the town, um, how the wolf pack interacts cohesively. I'm reminded of um, how some of the animals in Spirit of the Way would move about. I don't think it's a copy. I don't think it's drawing from that, but I think it is just it's still a very um, effective way of, of conveying information. I think the way that um, the Ghibli, Ghibli films and some Disney films to their credit um, exceed is that they have yes one dimensional but still more interesting villains and this is where we turn into the lord of the town the lord i i my feeling with this this could have been a much more complex and interesting character yeah. i feel it feels like they had to have a villain so they made him a gastonesque really the great better analogy is a minister cardinal frollo from um hunchback of notre dame and they just have i some was going to say that it's so much like hunchback of notre dame yeah, it's abs it's absolutely him. It's but he was a more interesting character who yeah. like honestly the, the after I'll be prepared, the best Disney villain song is Hellfire. He's just talking about, no, you did this to me and I blame you for this, and now you will seek my wrath. Here it's just I'm someone who has to he, he's not it's not established that he's scared about losing control. He's just a bad, harsh guy. And yes, it's a sure it's a kids' film, and but it could have done without a villain or at least a more tragic figure. And I'm then, reminded of a film we reviewed earlier in the year, First Cow, where the Toby Jones character is actually one of the more sympathetic characters, is trying to true. maintain control and order. And I think if it was anything more like with that, even an element of that nuance, the film and particularly the, that very pivotal character would be that much more interesting. But I think it's where it's one of the more one dimensional aspects of the film, which I think does bring it down. And to take it back to Ghibli for a bit, in Princess Mononoke, you've also yeah, got a the, story. Yeah, the lady from my time. That's right. You've, you've, you've yeah, also yeah. got a story with like the the humans that live with the wolves going into cl a clash with, um, you know, with the humans of the village and not they're expanding into the so forest. Unfair. Same I mean, that life. film was so far ahead. But, you know, in that, there's so much nuance to the motivations of the of the Iron my, uh, Forge Lady. But yeah, um, I've forgotten her name. Is it Iboshi? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, but obviously yeah. that film's working on a different level. But even um, just as a more simple narrative, I agree that this um, lost something by being so similar to Hunchback of Notre Dame. And that just gave me the, um, it cemented the feeling I'd been having while watching the movie that a lot of things in here are a little bit familiar. Yeah, it's drawing from, I feel the, the reason I say that Song of the Sea is better is that um, the melancholy of the father is much more emphatic in that film, but also I feel the particular narrative plays more neatly into the mythology they are trying to impart. And 
particularly ideas around family. Here you have disjointed family elements um, working to create a thematic whole, which doesn't work quite as neatly as that in Song of, in Song of the Sea. Uh, however, I did appreciate the two concurrent um, child-adult relationships uh, that were present here. And again, the distinct representations for um, the maternal and paternal relationships. Um, I, I I like this form of balance. I feel it didn't go it didn't go on too long. Um, it could have many many films. Could've, it could have been a bit shorter through. though, honestly. Could've, could've been I enjoyed I enjoyed the scenes of the kids in the in the town. I think this was well handled. Um, yeah. Um. The uh, the aspect of Robin being English in this Irish town is, was interesting. I, I had a little bit of a feeling of like, let's not ruffle the boat too much. Let's not make a message movie that's going to alienate the English market. But we're the good English. You know, they don't like us because the English are bad, but we're the good ones. Well, the, you have here, yeah, you have the situation where she has no idea what's going on. With I know, she's a child. In Ireland, and she's the dad child. is someone who uh, is kind of looking to make ends meet. The Lord of the Town is someone who, yes, in the broader political context, is someone who's actually involved in persecuting the local um, community. And uh, there's obviously is a very, a very significant history of this in Ireland, which the film taps into a little. Uh, but yes, there, there is there is that tension drawn between her, Robin, and the local children who are of Irish background, which, which, which I did appreciate. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It was actually fairly well handled. It was just nice to see this. I mean, the animators, like the ones I met, just had the most, just loved, loved, loved where they live. They clearly had the most love for this town. And they did they set a film in Afghanistan. They mm. said, and they were like, no, we want to make a film about here. We want to make a film about this place. And that castle itself, I, I have to give credit to the animators for so intricately depicting the hallways. I went there, I spent a day there, and I had a lot of it to myself for quite a bit of the time. And um, the tapestries else, they've all been maintained and they are very, they're accurate and moving representations of what the castle and the surrounding grounds are actually like. Worth worth visiting. You can get over to Kenny when we can travel again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Famous last word, when we can travel again. Before yeah. yeah that, that'll be it. Seems, I don't know. If we can travel again, I don't know. There'll there'll be be a, there will be a time. For the uh, moment, we have film festivals. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So that is what do we do we travel well, from our couch? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I'm thankful, like, you know, for, for Tiff for whatever they're, well, I'm, digital, I'm, yeah. um, you know, sitting on my couch program that they provided, which is not too bad. Yeah, I'm thankful for SUF, the Underground Film Festival, which is coming next week, the Korean Film Festival, which is starting soon. Queer Screen kicks off on the 16th. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening locally. I'm on my, I'm on film 99 of this, guys. Wow. Yeah. Film what? She's I'm 109. Oh, Wildfire is going to be 100. Okay. Counting, yes. yeah. yeah. Watch a lot of movies. That's what I do. Like, hey. Yeah. Film um, Fight Club. Film, film Fight Club. Yeah. Let us know what you want us to fight about. Let us know what movies we should talk about. If there's a particular film at the Underground Film Fest you want us to review, let us know. I mean, I've spoken. I've said we're. I'm really keen for Lorelei, and some of the others. But if there's 
hey, it, it, here's this quirky thing. And something I like about it, and the world's best film, which we're talking about next week, is a perfect example of this. It's not just weird, wacky, quirky, genre-bending stuff. It's films that look to be academically challenging, intellectually challenging, films that are outside by design and material and content out just outside of the mainstream. I think stuff gets an unnecessarily bad rap because like it's got that brand. A lot of people think it's a weird, wacky festival. I know, but it also has some very interesting and good films. Mandy, I remember. Some of which are weird and wacky. Yeah. yeah. And some are great and some aren't. It's, it's like, it's, there's a pretty good uh, hit run for uh, the underground film festival in terms of, and yeah. different documentaries. We've spoken in the previous years, documentaries are always great. So worth checking out. Yeah. So we'll be doing more online reviews and uh, do organize watch parties because they're fun. We'll figure it out before next week. We'll figure yeah. it out for next week. Yeah. Underground, uh, Queer Screen is happening. I watched, uh, we talked about Clickbait. Uh, there's a few series that look promising. Talking of Clickbait, our show, massive yeah. Clickbait, right? Yes. Yeah, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. I've finished watching the um, Adrian Brody, Stan, Stephen King series, Chapelweight. Oh, okay. We'll see more of that. I'm only, I'm three episodes in. That's pretty good. Apparently White Lotus is very good, but I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It was perfectly okay. There's, there's a lot of funny uh, memes about it now, and it's a few thing pieces. I, I'd recommend it for an easy watch. Clickbait's the better one, I'd say. I will be watching, though. I will be watching uh, She's All That uh, tonight. After um, our discussion, he's all that. A great, great classic. Um, oh, it's oh, it deserves a yearly watch. I always give it a yearly watch. I, I do love the that. first time I'm watching it. I haven't seen it. So oh, you, you, I'll watch it with you. It's it's a lot of great fun. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Um, this has been Glenn Falconson, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru. Stay safe. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy streaming and enjoy movies. Good night. Hang loose. Bye bye.